Bustin' Loose Baseball, hosted by Grant Paulson and Toby Altizer, gives you in-depth analytics and interviews on everything baseball in the nation's capital. Now, here's your host, Grant Paulson and Toby Altizer. This is Boston Loose Baseball, episode 91 with Toby Altizer. I'm Grant Paulson, producer Darius Dammer, making everything sound good. We are on to the World Series, and this is kind of fun. No Philadelphia Phillies. The Arizona <laughs> Diamondbacks in Game 7 for the second time in as many games at home for Philadelphia. They came up small. Arizona wins. They go on to face the Texas Rangers. What? an NLCS for Arizona and what a story this is. Yeah, it's kind of awesome because it kind of gives you hope if you're a Nationals fan that maybe it's not going to take as long because you know it's not like the Arizona Diamondbacks this year were a juggernaut team. I mean, everybody thought maybe the Atlanta Braves or like we just talked about with the Phillies, one of those teams was going to go back to the World Series in the National League and that didn't happen. And then the American League, you know, the Rangers are kind of up and down. They were pretty good all year and then they struggled for a little while. So it's kind of cool to see these teams get in. I think they need to shuffle up the playoff system a little bit because it seems kind of wrong to have the best teams. Three of the four teams that had a bye ended up getting bounced in the divisional series. So I think they might need to you know, change some things up. The Astros get through in that, and I don't think that's any surprise because the Astros have played so much playoff baseball. They know how to adjust to these things. But I don't know. It, it's kind of crazy to think that – we're at a point now where the Rangers and the Diamondbacks are really in the World Series and they're going to face off on Friday. Like, it's just nuts that that's the World Series we have this year. Yeah, I'm wondering if you got a ticket for the Rangers and the Diamondbacks before the playoffs started. What kind of return on your money you got? I mean, that would be pretty incredible. But we're going to have a ninth different champion over a 10-year span, which is awesome. And you got two teams in the World Series that lost 100 games a couple years ago which I think speaks to the, the health of Major League Baseball. But to your point, we're viewing everything through a Nats lens today here on BLB. Uh, two years ago, the Diamondbacks had 110 losses. You know, this past year, they were 74 and 88. So there's real comparisons to the Nationals, frankly. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say the Nationals this season were the same as the Diamondbacks last year or that they're going to the World Series next year but the Nats lost you know to that point of 100 games last year and then you know bounce right back and we're much better this year and the, the equivalent would be that they're kind of capable of making a run next season now again that's not going to happen I'm not predicting that but what I am doing is saying just like the Rangers the Diamondbacks were a 100 lost team they lost 110 games in 2021 so you, you the next year you get to 70 wins and we saw the Nationals you know do that then you get to 84 wins, and it's not like they were great this year. By the way, they got outscored. They were 746 runs uh, scored, 761 allowed. They were minus 15 in run margin. They were uh, three games basically over 500 this season. That was the extent, of, well, six over, but you know, 84 wins, I guess is my point, over the, the 500 threshold. This is what is possible in this new format. And some people hate it. You talk about changing it. Some people love it. I think it's great for the game when these magical carpet rides happen. I agree with you. They need to probably find a way to at least make it harder 
for the wild card teams to go on these runs because it happens semi frequently at this point. But I guess my question to you, Toby, is what do you do? You know, I haven't really come up with something that I love if you're going to change it to make life harder on the teams like the Diamondbacks that were hovering around 500 this year and easier for teams like Atlanta. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's why I don't get paid all this stuff. That's why Rob Manfred gets paid and I don't. I mean, I don't like the three game wild card series that much. I didn't mind the single game wild card. So uh, maybe you go back to that. But either way, I mean, even for the Nationals, when there was a single game wild card, it seemed like every time that they won the division, they came into the divisional series cold. All their bats went cold. So, you know, I don't know that there is a real fix. I mean, the reality is if you win your division, you're one of the teams with a bye, you're going to have a couple of days off. Now, do you want it to be four days off or do you want it to be two days off or three days off? You know, I, I think there's a discussion to be had there. But, you know, the reality is at some point you got to come out and perform and the top teams just didn't. And whether that was because of the layoff or not, you know, it's a credit to these teams for continuing to go. But I think just looking at the Diamondbacks grant, it's, you know, they, they made one key trade, I think. And then a lot of the guys are prospects or guys that they've picked up along the way. But, you know, trading Dalton Varsho for Lourdes Gurriel and Gabby Moreno has paid dividends. I don't know that there's a guy like that for the Nationals to trade, but it just gives you some hope that, you know, James Wood, these guys we're going to talk about here in just a couple of minutes, come up and help out the team. And then maybe one of the veterans becomes expendable and you trade them and bring in a couple of guys that can help you out for the Nationals, maybe on the pitching staff or in the bullpen. And all of a sudden you might find yourself somewhere. You know, it's it's a crazy thing to think about because the Diamondbacks, no one would have thought would have been in the World Series. But at the same point for the Nationals, you're looking at it saying, all right, well, maybe this isn't going to be as long. It's just one of those things you got to find a way into the postseason and anything can happen. So for the Nationals, I think that's just got to be your plan. Just find a way into October. And then who knows? You know, maybe you end up losing right away in the wild card series and maybe you get on a magic carpet ride and go back to the World Series. So it's just one of those things where just find a way in and see what happens. Yeah, I, I think, first of all, the Diamondbacks have a couple of great players that the world's finding out about, oh, including yeah. Corbin Carroll, their rookie of the year in the National League, who had an 870 OPS and a 285 average with 25 homers this season. And he's one of the fastest players in baseball. He's a spark plug. He steals bases. Uh, he's just an awesome talent. Uh, he swiped 54 bags this season. The only part of his game that isn't a strength is is his arm in the outfield. Uh, he's got one of the weaker arms in the game, but he's a good defensive player otherwise, and he's a fantastic base runner, and he's a tiny little guy. I mean, he's about 5'8 and change, and, you know, wiry, strong, but, you know, not thick by any means. And, uh, and you know, he can fly, and, and he hits home runs. So it's been fun to watch him. But the, the one difference I will say is, you know, this team, while, well, yeah, they graduated – uh, Brandon Fodd in the rotation, who was a good pitching prospect, who did not throw that well, interestingly, during the regular season. He had a ERA well over five and a half and a FIP over five. He's been awesome in these playoffs. They have two really good veteran starting pitchers, Zach Gallen, who has become like a Cy Young caliber arm, and Merrill Kelly, who's 34 years old and just pitched for Team USA in the World Baseball Classic. So the Nats don't really have that. I mean, they don't have like two veteran presences in the front of their rotation. Those guys this year both had ERAs in the threes. So that's one major, major difference. Uh, they went and got at the deadline a terrific 
veteran closer in Paul Seawall. That's something the Nats would have to do in terms of like going on a run or, or that like what separates them from this magical kind of thing. But the other thing I would say is, you know, the Diamondbacks are much more veteran laden in their lineup as well. Whereas, you know, the Nats, it's, they're piecemealing this thing together, mostly with kind of your, your Joey Manessis types or, you know, finding a one-year contract guy. Like Christian Walker's a bopper who's been in Arizona for a while, 33 homers, 100 RBI this year. Cattell Marte, who's been an all-star in this league, 25 home runs. He's now 29. He's there. You mentioned they traded for Lourdes Gariel, who's 29 years old. He had 24 homers and drove in 80 and had a 775 OPS. So, I mean, the, the comp roster-wise is not the same because Arizona's been piecing together a pretty good, at times, veteran-laden roster. But I think w- what I would say is similar is just they were really bad a couple of years ago and have quickly turned it around. Now, if the playoffs started again today, you know, they might lose to the Brewers, right? I mean, they, they could immediately be eliminated because they're just, you know, it's they're fine. <laughs> but they've gone on the crazy run, and maybe that should shift some philosophies of just get in, especially in this format. Like, maybe I've always viewed it as should you be buying at the deadline? Well, if, if you don't think of yourself as like a World Series candidate, uh, it's not worth it, you know, wait a year, whatever. Maybe the, the philosophy now and the lesson is, uh-uh. Just get in. No one thought the Phillies were going to swing their way to the World Series last year. No one thought the 2019 Nats would make the run. Like, this new era is really quirky enough in October that you think, let's just get there and see what happens. Yeah, and I want to clarify. Like, we're not saying the Nationals are going to the World Series next year, but I think what this brings up is... In fact, we are saying they are not going to the World (laughs) Series next year. Yeah, we'll go out on a limb. We're not going to go... Uh, Mad Dog and say we'll retire, but we'll we'll say that they're probably not going to the World Series next year. But for the Nationals, I think you can look at 2025 as a time that maybe they can, because like you said, a lot of veterans in Arizona. That's not necessarily the case for the Nationals, and the veterans they do have probably aren't capable of taking a team to the World Series. So I think what I'm the reason I think this gives you some hope, though, is you look at next year as let's evaluate the young guys. Let's get their feet wet and the bigs. You know, the guys we're going to talk about in the minor league system, get those guys up and playing in the major leagues. You still got CJ. You still got Gore getting accustomed. You still got Gray to grow. And then find out, okay, now we've got an expendable guy in the outfield. Now we've got an expendable guy here. Maybe move some guys and bring some pieces in. Maybe spend some money, God forbid, in free agency. You know, so I think you have the ability next year to kind of evaluate. And then 2025 might be the time that you can – try to make some let's push the chips in and see if we can get into October and who knows, maybe get on that magic carpet ride. But I, you know, we're not crazy enough to think they're going to the world series next year. No, uh, I don't think they're making the playoffs next year. And I don't think you do either. (laughs) Um, Having said that, you know, I I bring it up and I think it's a good clarification by you, Tobes. I I bring it up because the the two years that they've had here, the last two years are a lot like Arizona's last two Mm -hmm. years. Like when the Nats lost one Oh seven, the diamondbacks lost one ten. When the Nats won 71, I think the Diamondbacks won 75 or whatever it was, 76. So they've been within three to five games of Arizona the last two years. And then lo and behold, this year, you know, they kind of turn a corner over in Arizona and they go all the way to the World Series. So my point is not to say that the the Washington Nationals uh, are doing that as much as it is to say, like, this does happen now in baseball where you can turn things around quickly. Like there was a time where it took a long, long time. 
And I think we are at a point now where with drafting collegiate players who are more ready and closer than they've been and some of the other things that you, you can do with trades and otherwise, like it, it's not as crazy to say that you can get really good really fast. And the whole point of this conversation, to, if we could drill down, is the playoffs are utterly unpredictable and the, the format is such right now that, frankly, as a wild card, you, you benefit a little bit going into these division series after you win. So that's kind of the, the point of the conversation, I guess, is, is what I would say. Um, having said that, you need to spend a little money and make a good trade or two and bring on some salary and go get veterans. And there has been no attempt to do any of that by this team over the last couple of off seasons. And I can't imagine there's going to be much of an attempt to do that this off season. I mean, what's your expectation? Like they haven't sold. They're not going to sell. It doesn't look, look like any time in the, the foreseeable future here, early off season. Is there any reason to believe that they might like start acting a little more like the pre-pandemic learners and like sign a couple players that are good at baseball or like my, my thought is they're going to do another, Hey, Mike Rizzo spend 20 million or less this off season bit. And he can go out and, and add three or four guys on one year, two year type deals and try to have another Jamer Candelario, Trevor Williams hall, where you can flip somebody. That's kind of yeah. what I'm expecting. What about you? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of where I would be. I think that's kind of what's going to happen because to be honest with you too, I don't know that this is the off season to spend because Say you bring in an outfielder. Well, you've already got Lane Thomas. You bring in whoever the outfielder may be. Well, then where's Wood going? Where's Cruz going? So you don't necessarily need to bring in an outfielder. I want to keep third base open in case I want to bring up Yo-Yo or Brady House. Second base, we'll see. You know, still see with Luis Garcia, and maybe that's somewhere you could. Obviously, first base. Catcher set with Kbert. Pitchers, though, is where you need to spend the money. I, that's pretty obvious because even if you put all the young guys that you want into the rotation, the bullpen, they're still going to be glaring holes. So I would love to see them spend some money on the pitching staff. I don't see that happening. And if they do, it's maybe another Trevor Williams type thing, which we saw this year was not that great. So he can eat innings for you, which is good. But at the same point, you know, it seems like you could almost – get some of these guys that are going to be available just to have them ready to go. You know, Blake Snell, I don't know that that would be someone that would fit with the nationals, but just saying like those kinds of names where it could be like, all right, let's start building something. There's going to be one year here in 24 where, yeah, we understand that we're probably not going to be a playoff team, but let's start building towards that. You know, they did that with Jason worth before. Maybe that's not this off season though. Maybe that's next off season, but I wouldn't hate to see them spend a little cash and bring in a veteran pitcher with some pedigree. So that way, you know, you can have someone to mentor a guy like a Mackenzie Gore and some of these guys, they grow up. I mean, Patrick Corbin was that guy for a little bit, but now he's kind of fallen off. So I don't know, you know, I wouldn't say that those guys aren't going to listen to Patrick Corbin, but at the same point, I wouldn't mind having them go out and get some pitchers to help out and just help them be a little more competitive because we talked about this all throughout the year. Maybe it's spending on the bullpen. You know, you want to try and win some of these ball games, and all of a sudden you've got the same two or three guys trotting out of the bullpen every single day. And so that's good for those guys because they get used a lot. But at the same point, it's bad for those guys because they get overused. And so right. you don't want to keep ruining guys. So I don't know. I think if they're going to spend money, it has to be on the pitching staff. I'm not expecting them to do a whole lot, but I'm also not super mad at it. I think it'll be something where next offseason, if you're seeing that Wood has established himself as a big leaguer, 
Cruz has established himself. Maybe House or some of the other minor league prospects have established themselves. And you're looking, all right, we need an ace or we need this. And then they don't spend the money. I think that's the time to have some outrage. I think we could. Well, let me say this. I think what fans have decided is that they're going to like spend on something that they're going to bring in basically someone they could put on a poster or whatever. And I just don't buy that. But you see in the Nats Twitter and all over the place, like there is this hope that just as an example, they sign Reese Hoskins. Right. And I, I don't see that happening. I just don't think that's realistic. I would love for them to do anything. I'm at a point where like, I'm not even saying no to ideas I don't love. It's just like, are you spending? Are you interested in bringing in a veteran? Okay, let's try it. Let's see what happens. Um, but Hoskins is 31. He's a first baseman. If they were to add a bat, I think they should add a first baseman. Uh, if they, Or you mentioned second base. I don't hate that idea as well. Uh, but I, I'm more inclined to add a first baseman so that you can once and for all like finish up the Luis Garcia experiment. I also like to keep second base open. I know it hasn't been a good fall league, but, um, you know, you had a, a pretty productive season uh, in the minor leagues for Trey Lipscomb. And I think, you know, he could be ready in the second half of the season or something. So and also with all the infielders they have, it's just a spot I'd like to keep open as we move forward. Ideally, if you're not signing a high impact guy. So to me, first base makes the most sense, because even, you know, you could move someone to DH who plays first base in a couple of years if need be. Right. Um so that's my thought on on the bats. As far as the pitching goes, yeah, I'm like you. I'd love to sign a veteran. I think they need to have a, a a horse kind of starting pitcher in this rotation. I thought they they lacked that a little bit last year. Like Patrick Corbin is that guy, but he's in the final year of his deal. So my my thought process is they won't and they'll wait. They'll view Corbin as that guy this year. Like oh, we've got our veteran, we've got our question answerer for the kids, we've got our leader, and who's going to eat a bunch of innings for us. And then maybe next year when he walks, they do that. But you look at the market, it's also – it's not a great starting pitching market from the sense of, like, the, the really high-end guys you're not in on, right? Shohei, who else? I'm thinking, like, Aaron Nola, Blake Snell, something like that. Are you really going to make a play for, like, Sonny Gray or Jordan Montgomery? Probably not. And then it falls off pretty good pretty quickly. Um, not to say that you can't bring someone in that's going to help you, but it's a lot of guys in their mid-30s and – you know, guys like um, Kyle Hendricks and Michael Waka and uh, Charlie Morton's 40, but Martin Perez and, you know, that those types. So I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure if the fit's there, but do I want them to sign a veteran starter? I'm just going to throw a name out there randomly, um, like a uh, a Tyler Male or a, a um, maybe a Alex Wood or or, you know, Jack Flaherty or something. Yeah, sure. Kick the tires on a guy like that. Whatever. But I, I'm not going to hold my breath, I guess is what I'll say. I, I kind of have seen the last couple of years that their plan is to spend very little and develop from within, and they might do that for one more year. Yeah, and I think that's fine, to be honest with you, because like I was saying, with the bats, you know, I don't want to have it something where I spent money on a free agent and all of a sudden – one of these young guys is ready to come up, and I'm like, well, where do I play him? You know, I don't want to have those sorts of scenarios. I don't want any of those guys to be blocked. In turn, it might mean you lose more games than you should, but at the same point, if those guys are ready to come up, I don't want anything impeding them. And then, like you said, on the pitching side, I think you can be encouraged if you're a Nationals fan 
about the possibility of next offseason maybe spending some money because Corbin comes off the books. And if you're the learners, maybe you look at it and say, all right, we're not going to spend this offseason because we don't necessarily think this team is a playoff team yet. But next offseason, Corbin comes off the books and we'll probably have some of these young guys established as big leaguers. Maybe that's the time. And instead of just saying, hey, we're only going to do the 10 to 20 million in the offseason, let's combine that with the money that's freed up by Patrick Corbin. Because when you look at what the Nationals are going to be spending on their roster after this season, after Patrick Corbin comes off the books, really the only dude getting paid is Strasburg. And that's it. So they have to spend money, or it's just a total failure by ownership, which, I mean, you can argue that already, but. It, they have to start making some moves. So maybe it's not this offseason, maybe it's next, but I think that is something to monitor and see what they do because they could definitely use some help on the pitching staff. Yeah, but I'll go one step further. I mean, based on what I can find in salary, they're not paying anybody this year. I mean, yeah, no. their payroll is nothing. 100% right. What I'm looking at here, and I just pulled this up, is Corbin at 35 mil, Strasburg at 35 mil, Trevor Williams at 7 mil, Gabert Ruiz at six mil and then Victor Robles, who's got a club option at $3 million. Like that's the non basically ARB eligible guys on first contracts. That's the entire list. So that is 85 ish million dollars that if they pick up the Robles option, which we could discuss, but that's the entire amount of money kind of committed already signed off on, on contracts. And Strasburg's not going to be on this roster. We can get into that in a second, but they're going to have to move on from Strasburg. They yeah. need the 40-man spot. So it, I hope it doesn't get acrimonious and weird after what they did at the end of the year, but they're just going to have to eat that money, it would appear. And he's not going to be there. My guess is that his salary will still be reflected by what they're doing. But they have the deferred money. I guess we have to add that in. Uh, $15 million to max this year. $2 million to Rafael Soriano still, which I don't know how that's possible. And one point five million to Brad Hand. I mean, did they just defer Rafael Soriano's money into like two thousand ninety? That's the craziest thing I've ever seen. Seeing his name on this list, uh, and Brad Hand, who like was so bad for them, unfortunately, and like blew the entire series against the Orioles that started the whole sell off. If you remember, uh, they're they're paying him one point five this year. It looks like, but otherwise, and I'm getting all this from Spot Track, but otherwise, it's all you know. Lane Thomas, Arb 2, Dom Smith, Arb 3, Kyle Finnegan, Arb 2. Like everyone, they need to have their hearings well, or agree to salaries with. And, and that's my point. There's going to be, once Corbin comes off the books, there's going to be no one making $10 million. So at that point, if you're not spending money, then sell the team. You know, like at this point, like you said, they're not paying anybody except for Patrick Corbin. Obviously, Strasburg is the dark cloud that people like to talk about, but you know, I think that's fine. Whatever is going to happen there happens, uh, whatever, you know, I, I don't, we don't need to delve into that again, but once Corbin comes off the books, like they're not paying anyone on the active roster more than seven, $8 million. Yeah, so I mean, you need 70 to million of the listed 80 plus million right now is Corbin in Strasburg. And, and then you're waiting to find out what all the other guy, but you're talking about an, a bunch of rookie deal arb, you know, probably sub $1 million or a little over that, you know, for the most part type guys. Yeah, I mean, that's the perfect time to go sign a free agent when you're paying literally no one. And that's the beauty of building through the system as opposed to what the Nationals had done at trading guys and signing guys is it doesn't cost a whole lot. That's why teams, 
and you know Baltimore and Milwaukee and some of the smaller markets build through the you know their system. It's because it's cheap. And so for the Nationals, theoretically being in a bigger market, when you build cheap, that's when you go spend and get some of these top dollar guys. That's when you go get the Max Scherzers and free agency. That's when you go bring in some of these guys. So I think there's that opportunity. That door is open. Will they walk through it? Who knows? But I think that door is open for sure. Yeah, and just some estimates because I found some here on what guys could end up making via ARB or, or in an agreement with the team. So Lane Thomas of the rest of their players, not surprisingly, could be a $7 million player now, around 7.3 mil. Dom Smith, uh, if they were to stay in business with him and, and have him back, 4.6 million. Kyle Finnegan, 4.3 million. Hunter Harvey, 2.7. Tanner Rainey, 2.3. Luis Garcia would be the only other guy in the 2 million vicinity. You know, otherwise, uh, it's it's sub $1 million for guys like Keyboom and Abbott and Abrams and Adams and Adon and Alou and, you know, any of the other, Cavalli. I mean, you, you name the players that they're going to be basically sub $1 million guys. So, yeah, there's very, very, very many options for them with that little salary commitment, and they're as flexible as a gymnast trying to bring gold to the Americans at the Olympics. There's no doubt about that. We'll see if they actually want to spend a little bit of money this offseason. Certainly hope that's the case. Um, I mentioned uh, we could get into something in a minute, and it was Victor Robles. Are you just good? Can can we move on from this experiment? Is, uh, are we done here? How do we how do we feel about Victor Robles? It's so weird because we talked about him a decent bit at the beginning of the season, saying, "Oh, maybe he's found something," and he's get, putting together good plate appearances. And he then hit all of a three hundred for a hundred at bats. Yeah, and then all of a sudden he had that injury and he just disappeared, and you almost forgot about him. And it was one of those things for me where I kept saying, "All right." I don't need to see any more Victor Robles. I think I've got the book on him. And then I would watch some of the guys they put in center field. And I'd be like, well, I could go back to seeing Victor Robles out there. And then Victor Robles would come back for a game. And I'd be like, well, I think I've seen enough Victor Robles. So I could go either way here. I'm not going to be stunned either way here. I think you kind of understand what Victor Robles is at the same point. He's a guy that you can bring back for decently cheap that can play center field and can still be considered one of the young guys, even though we kind of know what he is. And then if nothing else, he can be brought to the bench when some of these young guys come up and maybe he can help out some of these guys with their, you know, outfield, figuring things out in center field and stuff just as a veteran there. But again, either way, I'm fine. I, I would, if I were me personally, if I were Mike Rizzo, I would say I've seen enough and you know, it's probably time to move on, but again, either way, I'm fine. Yeah. Signed a team, uh, a contract with the team option for this year. I'm good. And you know, I, I think you can find someone who can run around and play defense on the cheap probably, but I, I'm not going to be angry if they bring him back. I just wouldn't commit to any at bats or role for him necessarily. He can compete. I mean, if I was better, if I was good, I'd have no interest. I mean, I know exactly what he is. He's not going to hit. He's going to run into outs on the base paths. He's going to infuriate me. He does add some value defensively, and he was playing better defense last year after his defense had regressed. But if I'm calling the shots, I'll just probably, you know, find someone else with a similar skill set at similar money and, and not have the baggage and the reminder of what could have been and should have been. <laughs> And just all the frustration of the last several years. I mean, people forget the quality of prospect uh, that he was. 